You're listening to The Bookstack with Annie, Nia, and Sydney. Hi, friends. Welcome to the 17th chapter of The Bookstack. I'm Sydney. And I'm Nia. And I'm Annie. Epics are one of the oldest formats of fiction in human culture. Some of the oldest stories ever written down are epics. Historically, an epic is a long, often book-length narrative that retells the heroic journey of a single person or group of persons. The genre has come a long way since stories like the Epic of Gilgamesh rocked the world in 2100 BC and the Odyssey in 725 BC. Originally, the epic genre required the narrative to be written in verse, that is to say, poetry, and it had to follow the trope of the hero's journey. To be considered contemporary epic fiction, books only have three requirements. They must be at least a trilogy, the time span must encompass years or more, and finally, they must have a complex world building established, meaning a large backstory or universe setting in which the story takes place. Epic genre books are often crossed with the fantasy or science fiction genres, though it's not a requirement. Nia, why don't you go ahead and get us started with what epic books you picked for us today? So my first one, I feel like when people think of an epic, this is probably one of the ones that first comes to mind. I'm sure you're uh, right. I yeah, agree. especially with, you know, Amazon starting their new series. Oh, um, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So my first one is Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. The primary trilogy for this is The Fellowship of the Ring, The Two Towers, and The Return of the King. And those were supposed to actually be published as one book in a two-volume no. set. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Like oh. Nope, nope, nope. And they decided that it would be more economic to split them up into the trilogy that we know. And they published them over four months in It would be more economic. What does yes. that even mean? It would be more economic. Mean financially I, supporting. <laughs> yeah. You could spread it out a little bit. It's yeah. Okay. And yeah. I, I, when I first bought my copy of the trilogy, it was a compendium. It was the whole book and wow. it was close to three inches thick. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it's a good it doorstop is, right there. Yeah. I have, I got hit in the head with it by a friend at one point too. Do not Ooh. recommend. Yeah. Ooh. Thankfully it was paperback. Not a good way to read. No. So it, to think about that and to see the Silmarillion, which is maybe 200 pages, it's and this very Silmarillion small. Is, that's what brings a power that Prime right now is basing their story off of, yes? Yeah, I think so. I haven't watched Bring, Brings a Power I, yet. I was it's, unfamiliar with that. I didn't know that. I've actually listened to that one on audio, which I was a little easier for me, I think, than to read it because it's mm. very formal and it's very... Like it's a little dense. It's basically written as its own. It's like it's a mytho- mythological like companion book to the trilogies. Okay. okay. So if you're expecting it to read like the trilogies, it does not. Just spoiler alert. Really? So, I didn't know that. Yep. But yeah, so they were supposed to be released as a two volume set. The massive one that has become the trilogies and the Silmarillion, which is, you know, like the 200 page <laughs> reference that goes with it. So it's interesting to me though because if you've read the books each book is two volumes so they really honestly could have split it into six books instead of three there are logical places it could have been done it's just kind of how they're written and I feel like if that had come out now versus then it probably would have been six books because they could have stretched it out over years mm, and they could have done yeah. re-releases and yeah. they could have done yeah, all that the versions cover art all yeah that makes sense the, yeah the big books. I didn't know that it was broken up like that 
Yeah. So that's, that's how they actually are in there and they're logical places to stop them. That's their volume one, volume two, three and four and five and six in the, in each book. <laughs> I've right? never read them. I, I haven't read them either. Once. I'll be honest. I enjoyed the but movies. The movies did a pretty decent job following the books. They actually dropped a main or dropped a character that's in the books. So the Hobbit, I'm trying to remember where Tom Bombadil is. There's a lot of I don't know. Tolkien that I have read. This, the trilogy was the sequel to the Hobbit. I so do know that. Right. Know that right, much. right. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> these books came out in 1954. The Hobbit came out in 1937 and was originally published as a children's book. I knew that. Yeah. It was yeah. it was the story that he used to tell his child to help him fall asleep, right? And he ended that, up having yeah. to write it down because his kid was like, No, you said the door was white, not blue. And so he <laughs> had to start. That's that's the story you told us, right? Is that isn't that a oh, that I don't remember. I don't know if that was me. Well, I have so, seen the cartoon version of I'm gonna, the Hobbit. I'm gonna believe it to you just because I can. Sure. And I mean, actually, I've the- seen I've seen both versions of the Hobbit, but I have seen the cartoon version. Yeah, and that one is yeah. very just like, hey, it's bedtime. Let's watch a movie that'll make us feel good about ourselves. <laughs> the, the <cartoon laughs> and then the one came out, and I thought, this is not the cartoon half hour special that oh, I saw. No. So the <laughs> okay, so you brought up the movies of the <laughs> sorry, Hobbit. Sorry, sorry. I, the Hobbit is probably one of my favorite books and what Peter Jackson did to that book in those movies is absolutely just criminal. I'm just going to say it. I know. It didn't need to be three. It really didn't. I feel like he, he pulled a bunch of stuff that didn't need to be it there. It was good at a half a one. It, there was like the cartoon is a half a movie. That was fun. Yeah. It, no. So it's, they added like love interests in there that didn't need to be yeah. there and extra. No. So sorry. I, I didn't even actually finish watching the Peter Jackson ones because they Ooh. offended me Ooh. so much. <laughs> Um, I felt I felt that way about the Percy Jackson movies. We'll continue. Let's that's a di- that's a different yeah, story. That's, for a, a, different that's a totally different stack. I actually was so, looking up while I speaking of Percy Jackson. While I was looking up titles for this, there is a list on Goodreads or something that says if you enter in Percy Jackson, we will not let that be an epic story. <laughs> mm-hmm. It specifically said Percy Jackson is not an epic oh, series. That's funny. Whatever. That's yes. funny honey just to bring it back yeah Yeah. no i liked it no so yeah with lord of the rings you have the silmarillion you have the hobbit that came out before that you have a poetry book that came out that's the adventures of tom bombadil that's kind of a standalone that came out after the lord of the rings you have more stuff that's been coming out like the unfinished tales of numenor and and middle earth and that came out posthumously that was put together by his son from all of his notes so this is stuff that's still coming out it's been adapted to radio in the 50s as a 13-part adaptation I mean, there's been multiple in TV. I want to hear and, that. Right. I'm sure we. it's on the BBC. So I would be surprised if you couldn't find it. Mm, there's that would multiple, be really fun yeah. to listen to. Whenever I the musical comes out, I will be all over that. You want to watch The Hobbit, the musical? I do. Okay. That's <laughs> when we s- know we've reached the end of adaptations oh, is when this becomes <laughs> a musical. <laughs> well, and it's... It's funny you should say we've reached the end. Oh, no. The Hobbit, the <laughs> Hobbit has been... So it came out in 1937. This book is so epic. It has never been out of print. It has oh, been wow. in print consistently for 85 years and That's counting. Nuts. That doesn't surprise yeah. me, but I've also never heard that. Like, I've never yeah. put that together. So, I mean, if you if you read The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings is a very different beast. I, like, yeah. The Hobbit's fantastic. 
Lord of the Rings is really good too, but that is, it's over three inches of, pl- of paper guys in one book. So yeah. it's a little intimidating, but yeah, it has been, it, it was adapted to the radio in the 1950s as a 13 part adaptation. There have been multiple TV and movie adaptations. Like we were just talking about the best known one is from Peter Jackson that came out in 2001, 2002, and 2003. And then you have fan films that came out in 2009 that I had not heard of till I started looking a little more into the background. And then you also have, like we started off right at the beginning with this, is the series that Amazon is putting out, The Rings of Power. So if you're going to think epic, I mean, look at, this has influenced the genre, this has influenced pop culture, this is still being adapted and redone and redone. And it's just, and there's still stuff coming out because Christopher no. Tolkien is still putting things out. Is that his son? It is. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was son or grandson. I think it's his son. Yeah. So yeah. for Halloween, I was dressed as an elf. And That's right. You were. Mm-hmm. The principal at my school is a massive Lord of the Rings fan. And he, for the whole day, just referred to me as Arwen. <laughs> Every nice. time he'd see me. Hello, Arwen. <laughs> That's fantastic. So it was one of the best parts of my day. And then I came home to a box on my porch that was from a giveaway I had won from a lady that I had started following on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And inside was a Lord of the Rings backpack. Oh, cool. With a Lord of the Rings skirt that has pockets. What a day. And I was like, what a day for me. Like, what a year for me to pick to be dressed as an elf and then to come home to having won a a surprise giveaway that I didn't know which one I was receiving to come home and be like, oh, hey, look at all of this Lord of the Rings stuff. This is cool. <laughs> you put that out in the universe and it all came giving I, back. That's awesome. Did. I did. And now every time I wear it to work, my principal is going to be like, hey, I'm going to win so many brownie points. You are. It has pockets. So it's even It better. does have pockets. Because it's, it's fabulous lady, on all the levels. The lady so- is the legging lass and she, everything she makes has pockets. As her leggings, her joggers, her skirts, her full pajama sets, her blanket ponchos, everything has pockets. As it should be. Yes. So I've seen Harry Potter and other fantasy series move into merchandising. And when you bring up Lord of the Rings backpack, does that mean that Lord of the Rings is now entering merchandising also? I don't even, I'm sure it's been there. I'm sure sure it's been there for years. I mean, even if you, so even if we just go back to the early aughts when Peter Jackson's film came out, there's an, you can go visit the Hobbit Village in New Zealand. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's merched. It's been merched. I'm sure. It, I mean, merched yes. more in the 50s. It the Evening Star too. necklace that Arwen wears. Mm-hmm. Oh has yeah, you're been, right. Has I been a yeah piece that people like pay hundreds of dollars to buy a replica for yeah, years. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know Redact if it's just what I yeah. Said. Okay. <laughs> so that's my first epic. This is going to be hard for me to follow. Like, okay, well, my second one is also really good, but it, but again, it's not Lord of the Rings. It's not Lord of the Rings. <laughs> not it's another series. <laughs> It's another series I quite enjoy. It's actually a children's series. It is Redwall by Brian Jakes. I so remember is that the one with my the teacher reading this book to me when I was in elementary? Bunny? The ones yeah. with the mice. Yep. Okay. So the first book is called Redwall. That's what they named the whole series after as well. It came out in 1986. The timeline for the world, it's actually book nine because he went back and added more history to it to add like, here's how this abbey. Yeah. So it's, it's a series that follows anthropomorphic animals who live in a place called Redwall Abbey. 
It's a sandstone abbey in a place called Moss Flower Wood. You have certain species are the heroes and certain species are the villains. So you have mice and badgers and otters and hares and shrews and sparrows that are on the, the quote good guy side. And then the villains are weasels or stoats or crows or ravens, foxes. There's also adders, sharks, and wolverines. And the sharks That's might an- sound kind of weird, but they also kind of go to the ocean as well. So What's it's an not adder? just... It's a type of snake. It's a venomous snake. Oh, Thank you. Yep. So there are 22 books in this series. I yeah. had no idea the series was that big. It's a very big series. The last one came out in 2011. It was actually published posthumously because Whoa. he died in 2011. He just finished the book. It didn't come out until like a couple months oh after gosh. his death. So, and they're not small books. No, like they're, 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 they're not. They're, they're like 300 page books. So oh. for a kid's book, they're on the large side. Yeah. Yeah. But they're written very well and they're written the, the way that they describe things and the way that they do things. They're, yeah. they're really good for kids. They're good for elementary age kids. Older, like this would be way too old for my, my two-year-old, clearly. But maybe when she's got a longer attention span, I mean, this could be a bedtime book for, you could work on this for weeks. Yeah. Or a car so, ride. Or yeah, a car that's ride. What I was thinking. Like a car um, trip. Um, I, I actually remember... I don't know what grade I was in. I had an elementary teacher that actually each day for story time, she would read Mm -hmm. us one chapter of Redwall. And this is, you know, early 90s. So the book was fairly new at this point. Right. But I remember absolutely loving it. And I could picture everything in my head, but I always forgot that they were mice. Yeah. Because they were anthropomorphized. I saw them as people and I had a hard time being like, oh yeah, he's supposed to be a badger. Oh yeah, he's supposed to be a mouse. Because in my head, they were all people. Right. So how long are the chapters? Oh, they're not too long. Yeah, I don't think they're that big. They're short enough for story time. Yeah. Yeah. For story time, they can't be very long. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're nicely paced. They're really nicely paced books. And the, the series itself, I mean, it, it spans several seasons which is what they use for years, you know, several generations, big swaths of the countryside. It's not just Mosswood. They also have the ocean and you've got people, you know, you've got people. It's just, it's like people. <laughs> you, you have characters that are ending up on boats and that are swashbuckling. And like, it's a fantastic series. It was turned into the, the first couple of books were turned into a TV series in 1999. It ended up with three seasons. They actually did a really nice job on those. Was it animated? Um, it was animated. I think it was actually on PBS. I'm not 100% on that, but I, that's what I, I, we watched them. Like we watched them when my brother was really into those because it was around that, you know, nine, 10 year old age range. I enjoyed them too. They were really, they're really well done. It's been turned into an opera in 96 which I did not know. Oh, look at that. Someone Um, did it. Someone based their opera off of them. And there's two (laughs) officially licensed video games based in this world too. Okay. Did not know that. Right? So it's a very vivid, very rich world. And I listen to these on audio more than I've read them because that's my jam these days. And even then, I mean, I'll re-listen to the same one multiple times because it's really good. There's actually one of them in particular... I don't remember which one it is. Partway through the book, there's a flub where the author actually mispronounces one of the character names Uh-oh. and the, the oh, voice no. actor corrects him and he laughs and restarts it. And it's still, it's in this officially recorded books version. And it just, every time I get to that point, it makes me giggle because it's, <laughs> you can tell they're having fun as they're recording. 
Oh my gosh. And, That's good. And the audio is full cast. The narrator in oh, there cool. is Brian Jakes. He narrated the audio, which is just delightful because you can hear him narrating, creating this whole world. And then they have a full cast to do it as well. So wow. they're a wonderful so thing to listen to. So if you're listening, looking for something to listen to in the car with your kids, this is a good one. Yeah. Nice. Nice. These nice. are really good. So that is my my second epic. Sydney, what do you have? So I went real mainstream this week. I picked two of my favorite epics that I think most people are like, oh yeah, it's kind of like you doing Lord of the Rings. So I did Game of Thrones, George R.R. R. Martin. Definitely first, epic. Definitely epic. <laughs> the first book came out in 1996. The fifth book, which is currently in the series, the last the published book. Yeah. Mm-hmm came out in 2011 so fans of the series have been waiting over a decade for him to finish the series there's it's very definitively not done dance with dragons is not the end of the story the arc has not finished Mm -hmm. but george rr martin hasn't ever really said whether or not he'll finish the series he started on a prequel instead oh god and i think that he so when when game of thrones ran out of written material and they had to start making their own material in order to continue the TV series. <laughs> they had to create an ending and everyone ran to George R. R. Martin after the ending, after season eight finished. And they were like, is that how it ends? And he's like, well, it's an ending. And that's so not what we want to hear. <laughs> Way to be non-committal. And so everyone's waiting for him to come out and publish the book that either supports or negates season mm-hmm. eight of hbo's version of game of thrones and i don't know that he's ever going to do it it's been over a decade and he's kind of just hemming and hawing and like ah, i, mean, why I would get to he? it i get to it he's getting all I... that nice hbo monies and if he does it he's going to anger half of the fan base no matter how he finishes it 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 will it will so... not matter but i think that people would appreciate having closure regardless of Agreed. what the closure is yeah. But I love this series because you have a complete world with this very complex history that isn't just info dumped during the exposition of the first book. Yeah. It's it's woven in really masterfully. It's really a beautifully written story. And despite how dark and violent it can get, everything has a purpose and a reason. And there's a backstory that explains the action, which I think is really valuable. Yeah. It, it's no good one to have, just people don't just die for no reason. There's a reason right. and the method matters and and just everything that kind of builds in and the different types of people from the different parts of Westeros that are in the story and how their backstory differs because of the part of the blend that they're in. And I just love I love how incredibly beautifully, deeply complex everything is. And there's memes that go around about how, you know, when a guy tells a story, it's just, a, it's a single train track. And then it's, you know, when a girl tells a story and it's like three train tracks that have like intersections that cross and then kind of come out at the other side. And then there's a George R. R. Martin, how he tells a story. And it's like this entire 27 track with all of train depot yes with all of the different intersections and and i think that's what makes it beautiful so i own the series in these in this beautiful leatherback set that the pages almost feel so thin that it's they're see-through oh like vellum almost Mm -hmm. is that the word Mm -hmm. for it i think so but i have those i have the audiobooks because the narrator for the audiobooks is 
incredibly fantastic to listen to. And so it's kind of fun to read when you can and then listen to the audiobook to move forward and then you read again when you can. Mm-hmm. And then they actually started coming out with graphic novels cool. of Game of Thrones. And I've never been able to get into graphic novels. I've never been able to find myself enjoying that genre of writing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I really like Game of Thrones. I'm going to try out graphic novels with Game of Thrones to see, you know, I already know the plot lines, I already know the story, and I want to see how it adjusts or changes or develops based on how this works. And I really loved that I was actually able to get into and enjoy a graphic novel that I wouldn't, I don't think I would have normally noticed. So that was really fun. That's awesome. But I love that because of how intricate and complex this whole storyline is, you don't have a single main protagonist. Like, yeah. yes, Jon Snow is is important, but he's not the single main protagonist. You have a handful of really important characters that everything weaves together. And I love that there were a lot of strong women throughout the story and not just yeah. this single you know, heroic male that's come to save the day. There's something to be said for having a variety of protagonists too, because you're going to have you know people who, oh yeah, it's all about Jon Snow or, oh, mm-hmm. it's all about Arya Stark or, or, and it's, you find your protagonist. Yeah. And you fight set Mm -hmm. and it almost makes you part of it. Mm -hmm. You feel like you have picked a house. Yeah. Yeah. I loved following the storylines of Sansa and Arya and of course Daenerys. And those were my three main characters that I love following. And everyone else was kind of like, well, they're there. Like I have to get through their story to get back to the other parts of the story. It's like getting to follow Legolas and then you have to go back to Samwise and Frodo for a minute. And then you get to... (laughs) I know. I mean, it's, of I know the it's two, a big part of the I story. Well, no, I know. I mean, like, to, see, for to me, me I'm like, I see. I'm all about Samwise. So see, versus Legolas, I'm the opposite. Like, yeah. It's yeah. oh I, man, I, we have to go back to Legolas. I, Can't we just stick with the hobbits? They're so fun. They love each other. And I love yeah, getting, or Mary. I, like, they're I just eating Mary. snacks. Come on, Mary and Pippin were fantastic, and I loved yes. them. But I every time we just jumped to Frodo and Sam, I was like, all right, let's get through this so I can get back to Legolas. What? Seen to I, me, his, it was Sam. His, it wasn't even his antics, I love his, Sam. I his antics I love with Sam. Gimli, though, just <laughs> that's like, true. The back and forth between him and Gimli, like it made my yeah. day. Now, I but, still haven't read the book, so I can't like really talk about them. But you know, it the same thing goes back to Game of Thrones, right? right. We have it, it, the story jumps between these different portions of the story that are all happening at the same time in mm-hmm. different places of Westeros, and they all are going to eventually intercede or affect events that are going to intercede other events later on in Westeros. And so we all had characters that we loved, whether they were killed off or not. And then we all had characters that we were like, nah, I could do without Littlefinger. He can die. He can die right now. When does he is that die? an like, actual you know, person? Yeah, that's yes. one of the characters. See, and you have the whiny little king. Oh. He's not king for very long. Yeah. You're talking about Joffrey. There we go. Yeah, that's, he was one of those characters where you're like, is he dead yet? Can he be <laughs> dead? dead yet? Can, can he, he be dead yet? Be dead? Like, <laughs> I, I would be okay if it was a quick death at this point. Can he, he just be gone? Because he's such a vile little monster. Does yeah. he ever die? Yeah. Yeah. I started to read the first book and I couldn't handle it because I think he has way more purple prose than is necessary. Oh, he I has think a lot. He yeah. yeah. And I feel what like he could have way Sorry. too many words. Oh, got it. Okay. Thank way you. too many words. He could have told a very epic story with half of the words, but all of the complexity. And I probably would have liked it much better. That's um, how I felt about J.R.R. Tolkien. See, and that makes sense. That's, I mean, I feel like so, that's, that is a problem with Tolkien. Yeah. hundred percent. That's why I like The Hobbit yeah. better. It was very, yeah. yeah. My, uh, my buddy Pierce in high school gave me his copy of the first book of Lord of the Rings. 
and wanted me to read it because it was his favorite series ever. And he gave it to me and I started and I couldn't, I read the first paragraph four times and went, nope, and handed it back. So I know we're, I know we're done talking about Lord of the Rings, but I will say my first time trying to read the trilogy, (laughs) I read the first three volumes. So that's the first book and a half. Yeah. And then put it down for like five years or six years and then picked it up again and read the next three volumes. <laughs> and then I, that was it. Like it took me a long time to get through it. So I think if I were to approach it now, I have a better love for epic fantasy and high fantasy. I would enjoy it much more ha- if I tried it now, which I think is why I enjoy Game of Thrones because I approached it as an adult. See, I don't right. think either- A teenager with ADD approaching that going- Oh I can't, yeah, for sure. I, this is, I, I'm lost. I, yeah, I don't think either I can't do it. Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones are supposed to be intro to epic fantasy. No. <laughs> and I think that's it's like I, expert level fantasy. Right, and I think some people see <laughs> it, they go, oh, that's really popular. I should read that as my first introduction to an epic fantasy. And that is a terrible idea. I, I like the is. HBO series. I'm going to try and read right. the book. Uh, and, oh yeah and they <laughs> which is what i be... did because it's what i do for everything let's be honest and right. i don't think they but... were meant to be an introduction i think this yeah. when they came when they each came out they were meant for fans of yeah epic fantasy epic, epic high, high fantasy fantasy yeah, yeah. epic yeah. high fantasy for sure for sure for sure so my first book series my first epic series was Game of Thrones. My second epic series is Harry Potter. That wasn't also on the list of, that they I read. Refused they to, said they refused we to refused acknowledge to it. acknowledge Harry Potter and Percy Jackson. Those were the two series that they refused to accept as epic. So here's why I would argue. Oh, I argue that- with it too. <laughs> <laughs> that both of those, both of those series are actually epics. There's only three requirements, right? It has to be at least a trilogy. Which both check? of them are far longer than a trilogy, mm-hmm. right? The time span has to encompass years or more. Both of them check. encompass multiple years. And they have to have a, sta- a complex world building established. Check. Done. So I would argue that both of them are technically epics just because someone has their panties in a twist. Mm-hmm. But um, they're not Game of Thrones or Tolkien. <laughs> and they're not kids, high fantasy. They can't be epic. Kids can't have epics. Nope. It is right. How much you want to bet that's part you, of it? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's why I can't be epic fantasy. Bull yeah. crap. That's I'm sorry. If the me. person who wrote that list is on here. I apologize. I don't. Okay. No. <laughs> You're wrong. I, I you're appreciate wrong. those. I appreciate those of your feelings, person who wrote that list, but you're wrong. But you're wrong. <laughs> so I picked Harry Potter because that series is instrumental, but I am having to separate the books from the author for this because yeah. I do think it's important to acknowledge the fact that none of us agree with or support J.K. Rowling's transphobic comments. Nope. And none of us have anything but love for the LGBTQIA plus community. Yep. I think, so when these books came out, we were all we younger. Were all teenagers. Mm-hmm. We were all teenagers. When did they start coming We out? did not know. Oh, 1997. 1997. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. nine. Nope. Yeah. So I think that's part of the the problem is a lot of us grew up with these. They're very mm-hmm. integral They're very to nostalgic. our childhoods, uh-huh. but that doesn't mean we can, you know, we can't. So when we look back, it's through that eye of nostalgia, mm-hmm. but now we have the adult lens of, but now we know what the author is. Yeah. So we can still acknowledge they are there. They're out there, but we can also not financially support such a horrible, rotten human being. Well, and for yeah. me, I I was younger when these books came out. So the nostalgia for me is the story, is the book, yeah. is the characters. I'm not nostalgic at all for the author. 
Yeah. I don't read. I haven't read anything else that she. I wrote. haven't read. I haven't read anything else that she's ever published because that's not nostalgic to me. It's the it's story. The story. Yeah. One hundred percent. Full disclosure: I haven't actually read all of the Harry Potter books. I stopped okay. after book three. That's I've seen okay. all the movies. Yeah. Um. Once because again, <laughs> when they were coming out, we didn't know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I there. Yeah, I, I stopped reading after book three. So I okay. I was introduced to Harry Potter in junior high. I had a friend, Allie, who gave me the first book and she just said, you have to read this book. And I was like, dude, everyone's reading this book. I don't want to jump on a bandwagon. <laughs> this, like, it's, I don't need to read about a boy wizard. This is stupid. And she's like, no, it's amazing. You have to read it. Read the first one. If you don't like it, I won't bring you the second one. And I was That's like, fair. all right. So she had the three books in her locker. I went through all three books in between passing period, like during school and just taking it home. I read through them in three days. Wow. See, I read through the first three in two days. And so. I mean, to be fair, the first three books are significantly smaller than the next four. Yeah. Yeah. But I immediately got hooked and I, it was this, you know, the friend that was like, Hey, I need you to read this. Cause it's really good. And I want to talk about it. But I was one of those that book four came out while I was on a family trip to Canada. So I got the Canadian version of mm-hmm. Harry Potter book four, which has different editing in it, which is funny to me at least, <laughs> but I was one of those that I love the story so much and I felt like I could find myself in the stories. I was, I felt like I was Hermione in the stories, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I went to the midnight book releases and all of those things. One of the things that I loved about Harry Potter though, was it took a story that everyone could find a part of themselves in and it transformed a generation. It was a revolution in reading people Mm -hmm. old and young that weren't people that considered themselves readers were suddenly reading. It was this magical transformation of a generation. And it was the only book to that point that had done something like that, which I think was really special and important and epic Mm -hmm. because very few books in the world have ever been a craze like Harry Potter was. But that said, I think that Harry Potter as a world, it was built and was built in a way that that grew beyond J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it kind beyond of took on a Warner Brothers, of and it has a life of its own. It does, and so to me, I'm able to separate Harry Potter and the love I have for that world from the author because to me, it's so far past her, mm-hmm. and it's it's so much bigger than she is that it's okay to to think of them as separate. Now, yeah. I'm going to say something that you might not agree with, so here we go. That's okay. So my child, my 13 year old, was really really into Harry Potter. I'm actually sitting in her room right now, and she's got Harry Potter right behind you of Harry Potter yeah. stuff. But I'm glad that she has moved on past Harry Potter because it was getting to a point where, I mean, her bedspread is Harry Potter. Like it was getting really hard to find her presence mm-hmm. because Harry Potter has become so, the world has moved so far beyond the books that there's just so much stuff <laughs> out there in the world now. And it's not even, some of it isn't even worth having. It's just like, My kid really likes Harry Potter. What can I buy them? Oh, I'll buy them this board game that they're going to play once. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense, but it's got Harry Potter slapped on the name. So we're going to buy it. And I'm glad she's moved on because it was getting really hard to fuel that obsession with just the amount of stuff that's not even connected to the books that's out there now. Yeah. I think that Harry Potter is a really great gateway book Mm -hmm. or great gateway book series, I should say. I think that it's a fantastic intro into world building that can span whole regions and areas and and more and i think that it can be a gateway book for people that want to get into epic fantasy and realize that they can't start with game of thrones or lord of the rings 
If you learn nothing today, do not start epic fantasies <laughs> with Game of Thrones yes. or Lord of the Rings. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. They're great and you should read them at some point if that is your jam. That's expert level. Yeah. And you'll just be really frustrated. So I think that one of the things that epic fantasy can do is it can draw you in because it helps you feel like you have a place in that world. Just like yes. with Game of Thrones, you had a character or a house because they were all part of, you know, different houses that they were belonging with. Harry Potter had the four houses. I think that's part of the whole building your, with epics, especially epic fantasies, they're building a world. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we like these ones is that that world is complete. That world Mm -hmm. doesn't have too, too many holes. And in building a world, these authors created a multi-ethnic, multi-gendered, multi-cultural, multi-everything world to make it come for sure. And that's why we can all find someone. Exactly. Exactly. It's, It's not just a one gendered book it is an entire globe of everything yeah so that said what house are you in i don't know you don't know i uh, know mm-hmm. I, I think when i took one of those tests forever and ever ago it was either gryffindor or hufflepuff i do not remember oh no it was ravenclaw it was neither of those <laughs> it was ravenclaw i don't think i've ever taken a thing interesting yeah i mean you're very ravenclaw-y but i actually annie i think i would put you in slytherin sweet because you're very ambitious and you're very clever and i and do I have problems that... breaking the law and i follow laws to the t and i think that the slytherins would do that no. no no see i think they would i think they would follow the old laws and not be able to move on to the fact that they've changed i think i'm that way <laughs> I will not jaywalk, yeah. even though I think it's legal now. I still won't do it. Yeah, I mean it's not legal; move... it's just more accepted. Yeah, especially out here on the East Coast, it's uh, a way of life. It's just done. Yeah, it's really weird to me. And you start walking before the light changes. Nope, I'm still not used to that. Not okay. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, Annie, that you've never taken a test. Nope. To know. Nope. I went to the midnight showings. I went to the midnight book releases. I. Yeah, I did all of those. I did all the right there with you. But I've never... I would be interested to see if you took the test. Just mostly because of curiosity. Then again, I'm a Ravenclaw, like 100% Ravenclaw. So it's not surprising that I'm like, I need to know all of the knowledge. Well, I also don't all believe that those tests all are real. There are oh, too many no, ways to fake the to come up with i don't know the get word the I'm answer you for. want. Yeah, to just get for, the answer just, that I want. Just so. for me, do it anyway and tell me okay, what Okay, just is. for you. Thank you. I will send you a message. You're welcome. So with that, Annie, what books did you pick this week? I chose two series that I believe fit all of the specifics of an epic. I had to read what would qualify as epic and had to change my responses to come up with these ones. So I went I back mean, a little sometimes bit. Sometimes that happens. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. I've Like I said, I've never watched or read Game of Thrones. I've never read Lord of the Rings. I'm not really drawn to series and these tend to be fantasy, science fiction. I'm not really drawn to them. I'm just not. So it was kind of hard for me to pick some up, but I found some. So here we go. The first one that I chose is 2001, A Space Odyssey by Arthur C. Clarke that Sydney thought didn't fit into this category because she didn't realize <laughs> because there's more I than one realize, book. Exactly. I didn't realize exactly. I didn't either. realize it was a series. Neither did I until they were all getting weeded from work and I said those deserve to be on a shelf somewhere and I took them home with me. They got a shelf. Hooray. And I learned it's a series. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to find out. <laughs> I really was like oh look there's 2001. Oh my gosh there's 2010. The numbers keep going and I kept pulling them off the shelf. So the book was published in 1969, which is the same year that the movie came out. They were, the book and the movie were written at the same time. Is this? Oh, 
before or after we reached landing on the moon because we landed on the moon in 1969 which i think sparked a huge craze of sci-fi yeah i don't know space that is a good question i'm not sure i sorry guys it's okay we can all ponder it together great please continue so the book and the movie came out at the same time well sorry the book came out after they were written at the same time uh there are four books in the series there's 2001 a space odyssey 2010 odyssey which is you know colon odyssey 2 2061 colon odyssey 3 and 3001 the final odyssey oh yeah they're very it's, it's a big gap yeah. it is i thought the same thing i go okay we went nine years then 51 and then eh. a big jump yeah but not not too well yeah okay it's a giant jump yep yeah. And it's so, explained why. Okay. Good. For the moon landing, it was July 20th, 1969. Okay. Is when I, I landed yeah. on the moon. Then we would have to look up when the book was actually published, like what month and then the movie. But it sounds like if that was in 1969, all three of these things were happening at the same time. The book, movie, sense. and reality. So I read the series because it was getting weeded from the shelves at my school. And I thought, again, those deserve to be on a shelf somewhere. Then I read them and thought, those do deserve to be on a shelf somewhere. Probably not a high school library. Oh, oh, okay. The story is interesting and people will fight me on this, but those people are a lot older than I am. (laughs) (laughs) They are. They'll they'll fight you that it should be on the high school shelf or fight you that it's an interesting story. They'll fight me that people should be reading it. And I agree that people should be reading it, but maybe not high school kids. It's just not interesting. Just not. The story is interesting. But the writing is outdated. The speed of the plot is outdated. Okay, so it's not a content thing. It's a, there's probably no interest thing. There's just no interest. It's just not captivating. 2010 has already passed and these things did not happen. Yeah, sure. 2001 passed, did not happen. It's more of like 1985 is at this point. It's more of a look into how people in the 60s thought the future would be. Yeah. And it's the same with 1985. How did people, when was that written? 50 something? I think it was the 50s. In the 50s think the 80s would be. So it's more of a historical novel than anything else. So just not captivating. Historical science fiction? Yeah, it just, it didn't, because there's a timestamp, it didn't age very well. <laughs> mm. oh, okay. See that? Yeah. yeah, that, I could see that. It just, it really just didn't age well. Nothing bad, nothing content, you know, questionable content, questionable scenes, none of that. It just doesn't, just doesn't work anymore. Uh, so okay. the story is a little bit complicated. The, a man, Haywood Floyd, he goes to the moon and a black slab is found there and it's thought to be of alien origin. And then two other guys, David Bowman and Frank Pohl, go to Saturn with their AI system, HAL 9000. And then they discover some magnetic anomalies. And in part of the book, it is discussed that there was a monolith, a giant black monolith found in some ancient writings with like the hunter-gatherers. So not writings, cave art, cave paintings, that this monolith was on the earth. And now it's, there's, you know, stuff on the moon and stuff on Saturn and it gets really complicated and I don't want to spoil a lot because you can't do that hell I I can't do that here I mean if you're going to read it great (laughs) if not watch the movie but 
that's kind of where I have to stop. People die, AI gets involved, and there's a super complicated, weird scene at the very end where I don't know what happened in like a hotel room. Uh, on oh, it's Saturn. not how it's I can't do that, Dave. That's a hotel room on there Saturn. There we go. And he goes to oh. the fridge, and there's like milk in the fridge, and I thought, what the what is happening here? Oh boy, someone gets why, sucked into why space. Why do we care that there's milk in a fridge? I don't know, but it stuck with me. I, I mean, think this... the reason people still read 2001 A Space Odyssey is because it is a historical, here's what could have happened if we were faster in technology than we are. It, I mean, yeah, we're pretty it, fast. It, we it are. Feels, well, I mean, if you look at where we were with space travel, okay, we've mm-hmm. gone to the moon and then we're going to go to Mars mm-hmm. and we're going to mm-hmm. do all these things that we have not done. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it's very quintessential sci-fi for that time yes yes it is it definitely fits into the 1960s 100 it almost sets the stage especially with the movie i've seen it's been a long time since i've seen that movie but i have seen the movie i feel like the book and the movie probably were pretty foundational for a lot of the horror that you see that came out around then like the Mm. alien movies i can absolutely Mm -hmm. like listening to you describe it i'm like oh i can definitely pick out elements that i know in the, the monolith the idea of the monolith came, mm-hmm. became a big thing thinking of the monolith the ai and you know oh yeah humans <laughs> and people and things the ai became a big thing mm-hmm. there are lots mm-hmm. of things from 2001 a space odyssey that became tropes themes recurring horror or science fiction elements yeah. yeah, I own them all. I have not Can finished you... 3001 A Space Odyssey yet, That's but it's okay. on a shelf somewhere where it deserves to be. Right okay. on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other book series that I chose is The Chronicles of Narnia, yeah. which would be a very good introduction to epic series, I think. For sure. The yeah, audiobooks are full productions. Oh, are they? I didn't Ooh. know that. So Redwall, Chronicles of Narnia, if you want to get into epic series, mm-hmm. here's where you go. This was my intro to epic was... Yeah. Yeah. And this is a children's series, but just like Redwall, I think everyone would enjoy it. I don't think it's limited to just kids. No, I for sure. Yeah. So it was published in 1950. Seven books came out and they all came out pretty quick. It looks like it was once a year a new book came out. So they came out fairly quickly. They're the pub- they're also fairly small. They are. Yeah, they're not very big. They're really not. I think they're meant to be they're meant to be children's books. So they're pretty easy to digest. Uh, If you were to read a chapter a night, you could definitely do that. The publication order begins with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But like some of the other authors we discussed, C.S. Lewis went back and added some prequels in there. Mm -hmm. So people definitely get in arguments over the Thanksgiving table about which ones should be read first. Uh (laughs) I think I will go on record for this. I think The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe should be read first because yeah. it was published first. And so it has the most world building. Yeah, Agreed. there's better supportive exposition. So just like with Star Wars, you should watch the one that came out first, even though it's super confusing. You should watch it first because yeah. the creator said so. Okay. <laughs> okay. So again, there are two books that came chronologically before The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was published first. Yep. So to not give spoilers, because I think there are people that still read this one and still don't know about it. Four children get sent to live with their uncle during World War II. This is taking place in London and during that time when London was being bombed and the Nazis were invading, a lot of people sent their children away Mm. to distant family members. So Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy 
go to live with their uncle in the country to stay safe from the war. And one day they're playing hide and seek and Lucy hides in a wardrobe and she goes past the fur coats and just keeps walking and walking and walking. And then she is in a snowy land full of wonder. And Mr. Tumnus. Yes. Mm -hmm. And And then she comes back and they find her and she's like, I've been gone forever. And they said, no, you haven't. You've been gone for five minutes. And she said, no, I was gone forever. It's gone for days. And they said, nope, you were not. And that comes into play later when they go into Narnia, the world behind the wardrobe. And they're gone for years and years and years and years. And they come back and nothing has changed. Yeah. So we have a little bit of a split timeline and they have like whole lives in Narnia. And then they come back and they're still children. Yeah. And yeah. It's kind of weird, but it explains, it's explained very well. I think. I think so too. It works. I think you did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, in Narnia, there is good versus evil. There's the lion, there's the witch trying to save the people from the evils that are taking over their world. I read all the books up until the voyage of the Dawn Treader because I hate their cousin. (laughs) He is is hard to get through. He He is is the worst. Really awful person. I can't even remember his name. Getting turned into a dragon though was fun for him though. Well, it was. He, he had not have to listen. He had to some. He I'm had not some saying he doesn't deserve growth. fun. He, he deserves did. fun and he to did. visit the world. But I don't need to read about it. No, I mean, fun for me to not have to listen to him whine oh, because he it. was a dragon. Yes. Yeah, because he was a dragon for a minute. Yeah. So I stopped reading them at Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and then I got on the internet <laughs> to find out how the series ends. Oh. Because I didn't even want to go back to the books, and I had so many questions at the end. <laughs> series it gets a little it got so weird the plot gets lost and it gets a little heavy-handed with the religion analogies yeah and every voyage yeah i mean silver chair is good that's usually where i stop when i read them (laughs) so but i will um, say it is a great series it's written very well the movies are well done even if you've seen the movies go back and read the books they'll take you two hours maybe three yeah and the bbc did a really nice they did some like short form series of a couple of the books Mm -hmm. and they did a really nice job these books really do lend themselves well to on-screen adaptations yeah they do and people really haven't the directors the writers really haven't strayed that far from the books which is nice haven't had to they haven't had to and they've chosen not to right which they didn't have to with the hobbit but they did yeah yeah i'll never forgive peter that was a choice they made (laughs) it was a choice (laughs) they chose poorly (laughs) it was definitely a choice and i feel like some choices were made with the voyage of the dawn treader because there hasn't been a movie since yeah yeah (laughs) also true Uh uh-huh all right. So it's now time for our triviality segment. I have a couple of trivia questions for you both, and we'll see how you do with them. Winner gets bragging rights and the satisfaction of knowing random trivia. Nia, could you remind us of where our standings are? I believe Annie's still in the lead. Uh, I think we're tied. Oh, no, you guys are tied. You guys are both tied at seven, and I have Because staff. I know nothing yep. about true crime. That's right. Yeah, and it's terrifying nothing. how much I just knew off the top of my head. So I, th- I current- thought it was awesome. <laughs> it's a good thing. So Annie, you're at seven. I'm at seven, and Sydney, you are at six. Okay, fantastic. I'm going to fall further behind because yep. I am leading this charge. Today. But we take turns, so we do, we do take turns. So it'll be fine. Yep. All right. You'll get two points if you can call out the answer without needing options. But if I list the multiple choice, winner still gets one point. 
Are we ready to get trivial? I think oh, the yeah. real question is, is Nia ready to take score? Oh, yes. I'm good to go. Okay, great. Then we are ready to get trivial because <laughs> I'm not taking score. No, okay. I'll take score. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Question one. There are two languages created by epic authors that follow their own grammar and syntax rules that you can actually learn as a full language. What are they? Elvish and something else. Yeah, I was going to say Elvish is definitely one. And we're sticking with epic books, right? Not not TV series. Correct. Okay. All I got is I mean, Elvish. Ugh, yeah, all I have is Elvish off the top of my head. I can't think of something else. I know it's That's there. Right. It's rattling around in there. It's rattling right there. It's right uh-huh. on the tip of your brain. Yep, right there. All right. All right, here is the option list. Is it A, Lapine and Esperanto? Is it B, Dothraki and Old Tongue? Is it C, Elvish and Dothraki or D, Navi and the Fremen language? Elvish and Dothraki. Yeah, I'm going with C. Nia is correct because she got it faster. What? It Elvish and Dothraki. I'll give it to her. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have to? Yeah. Yeah. So, fun I mean, fact. you got Elvish faster though. So, should we just like yeah. split it one on one? No, it's okay. okay. We can split it one on one. Nia split it one on one. Okay. So, so fun fact, all of the options that I gave you are languages from books. Right. But only two are from epic novels or mm-hmm. epic series. And Esperanto, which was part of option A for Lapine and Esperanto. Lapine was from Watership Down. It's the, oh, the language of the rabbits, familiar. which you can oh, actually okay. learn. It's just harder to find useful. Yep. Um, so Lapine is from Watership Down. You can actually still learn it. And Esperanto was in the Stainless Steel Rat series by Harry Harrison. It is different from all of the other languages I gave because it wasn't made up by the author. It was made up by a linguist who wanted to create a more efficient and simple universal language. Interesting. So I've never heard of that book. So Mm -mm. I hadn't either, but I had heard of the language. So I was trying to figure out where I had heard of the the title from. That's fascinating. And that's, and that's where it comes. So you can actually learn, I believe you can learn Esperanto, Dothraki, and Klingon. Those are the three that you can learn on Duolingo that are non- (laughs) non-real languages that you can still learn on duolingo my my nerd heart happy remind Um, me where dothraki is from dothraki is from game of thrones okay old tongue is from wheel of time series by robert jordan okay it's used a lot and and wheel of time would be considered an epic but it's not you can't learn the language from having read the books and stuff it's referenced it's not there's not enough of it that you could still that you could actually learn and use it um navi is from avatar yeah i got that one yeah and the Fremen language is from the Dune series, which is mm-hmm. also considered an epic. Oh, yeah. I didn't pick it because I didn't like it as much as the two that I had, although I, I am still trying to get through it. But the Fremen language, while it is referenced, it is not used enough that you could learn it. Mm, sure. So that's why it. That's yeah, that's why I didn't choose D. I thought, I know that's a language, yeah. but I don't think it it's is. used very much. It's not. So you can't learn it. It is based off of real world Arabic though. So okay, if you really want to learn the Fremen language, start with Arabic, I guess. I don't know. All right. Question two. How many languages has Lord of the Rings been translated into around the world? 83. 64. Okay. You're both high. Do you want to guess 30, again or do you want me to give the answers? 30, 53. Okay. 53, Annie. 35. You're both still wrong. Okay. Still high. So, so. <laughs> okay. Here are your options. Is it A, 28, B, 38, C, 48, or D, 58? 28. 38. Annie is right. It is 38. 
I knew it was 30 something. I was even looking at that earlier today. It's all good. There are a lot of languages in the world, but many nations speak more than one language. And so it might just be economical to only print it in the one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there are certain languages that people don't really want to read Lord of the Rings in because they don't, they can't like associate or find themselves in the books. Or it's a spoken language and not a written language. Yeah, yeah. If there's not enough based. of a market. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. it could be money-based. That's true. Yep. All right, this one I intentionally picked because I don't think either of you guys have read the series. <laughs> not, so hard gonna be, not hard to do. Not hard to do. It's going to be. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. These are right. always fun. Okay. All right. The eyes to die from the Wheel of Time series are divided into colored factions or Aja. So they're they're different Aja, and they are based on their ultimate goals, and they're given colored robes based on which Aja they pick. How many Aja are in the Aes Sedai? Seven. Four. You're both wrong. Twelve. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> then I vote we get the, the multiple choices. When I just start uh, throwing out numbers. You're just going to start we, throwing out numbers. We can just start throwing out numbers too. But I like it. All right. Is it A, four, B, six, C, eight, or D, ten? My sister six. told me and I'm going with eight. The answer My is eight. Is six. It is. Oh, right on, Annie. My and sister told me, but I honestly didn't remember. <laughs> well, you must have. Part of your brain remembered because you got it right. So there are technically seven that you can pick from, but the eighth is the Oh, black. so I was right with both answers. But but black is the eighth Aja because it's members of the faction who have defected to serve the dark one. But so they're all not, colored. It's not official. It's the I mean, the I'm calling color. it official because right. I, it makes me think of the eight spokes in the wheel. wheel of dharma okay which i think is which i think is where i i'm going to make a giant guess because i can't ask robert jordan because he can't answer nope but i would love Not to clearly. say because of <laughs> <laughs> i don't have a ouija board i can't ask <laughs> because of the fact that most of them are morality but well all of them are morality mm-hmm. based and it's different mm-hmm. it's different areas of morality and the wheel of dharma is morality mm-hmm. i would love to believe in my own heart of hearts that because there are eight spokes in the wheel of dharma that it's somehow inspired that idea mm-hmm. makes sense uh, the, the colors yeah. are blue brown green gray red white yellow and black Okay. No, that sounds about right. From the little bits of yeah stuff I know from here and there, that that sounds about right. It's in, as you read it, it's interesting to kind of think about like which color you think that you would fit into, and like which color you would want to be. I don't know associated with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Blue is known for being just, righteous, and volunteering for dangerous missions, which often sees them attempting to save the world. Brown are the polar opposites of the blue faction. They're scholars who spent much of their time studying at the White Tower. And rarely venture out into the world. Green is referred to as the battle Aja. They find themselves fighting on the front lines in wars across the Westlands. Ultimate goal is to protect humanity and ready themselves for the last battle against the Dark One. Gray is the opposite of green and they specialize in diplomacy rather than fighting and are entrusted with negotiating treaties and to act as ambassadors between factions. Red are all connected by one thing, their dislike of men. It's (laughs) their role to root out male channelers and to help them tame their powers. White are more interested in learning than fighting they seek the truth philosophy and logic which often sees them as the opposite of red yellow specialize in healing and utilizing the one power to cure sickness and heal wounds and black are the ones who serve the dark one Hmm. so where would you guys put yourselves well i can't be red because i have two men in my house three you do there are three of them Eh. there are three one's really little though one's really little 
He doesn't count. <laughs> I like the white and just hanging out and learning stuff. Right. It sounds like, like I like I the idea of seeking truth, philosophy, and logic. Just hanging out all day. Feels but pretty... I'd probably be snacking while doing that. And that's a bad idea with the white robe. So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not that one. <laughs> Can I be snack colored robes? Yeah. <laughs> Nia, what about you? Oh, that's funny. Probably white. I would think scholarly. Yeah. No snacks though. You can't have snacks there. But that's what aprons are for. Mm, uh, and they are I mean, white. Would be a white apron. But your apron isn't necessarily the color of your smocks, you know. That's true. It's a black apron to hide all the crumbs. <laughs> don't be black. Don't you be, can't black. be black. No, no black. I mean, you can be, but I don't want you to be. <laughs> that's fair. Don't choose the dark side. Yeah. I don't know. Either it would either be white or it would be yellow for healing would probably mm. be the other one I would look out. I can totally see you being so, yellow for yeah, that yeah. ability to heal. Awesome. Well, that was a fun little venture into Wheel of Time for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Thank was. you. And Annie, you are now ahead at 10 yes. points. Bum, bum, so. bum. Way to go, Annie. Right. Nia, you also gave it your best. Good job. I did. Between the three of I us, tried... we would make an amazing trivia team. We would. I tried making them really hard, though. So hopefully... Those were hard. Well, I'm just frustrated with the Lord of the Rings one because I was just looking at that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I had it up on my screen. I was like, that's so cool. It was, it. I almost included that in my thing because I thought it was really neat how many languages it had been put in. And had you done that, I'd have been scrambling to hurry and find a new uh-huh. trivia question. So I'm <laughs> super glad I didn't. But yeah, it's still really cool. This was an awesome round. Thank you. Yeah, you were definitely raised the bar, Sydney. Yeah. I, I was trying to make it fun and challenging. So, well, you were listeners. Good job. Hopefully our friends got to enjoy trying to guess along with us. Those were hard. It was. That was an epic round. Well done. Oh, oh, I see what you did there. I I know. (laughs) Fantastically done. (laughs) Just for that, Nia, tell me what you're starting with uh, reading now or picking up next. So I actually just started listening to one called Not Even Bones. It's by Rebecca Schaefer. It is book one of the Market of Monsters series. Oh, cool. That sounds... It is a young adult book. It is also... So a series on web comics that's based on the book, which is how I found it. Oh, cool. The description for this is Dexter meets this savage song in a dark fantasy about a girl who sells magical body parts on the black market until she's betrayed. Nope. Ma- magical so, body parts. Yes. So <laughs> Nita doesn't murder supernatural beings and sell their body parts on the internet. Her mother does that. Nita just dissects the bodies after they've been acquired in air quotes. Mm. But when her mom brings home a live specimen, Nita decides she wants out. Dissecting living people is a step too far. But when she tries to save her mother's victim, she ends up sold on the black market in his place because Nita herself is a supernatural being. Now Nita is on the other side of the bars and there is no line she won't cross to escape and make sure no one can ever capture her again. Nita did a good deed and it cost her everything. Now she's going to do a lot of bad deeds to get it all back. I Um, have really issues with black market body part trading i don't know why this i will not be reading that one so you don't have (laughs) a problem with rats crawling up toilets (laughs) but you can't deal with black market body parts yep good to know where your line is we all have lines We do. So if you do read the comic, it actually, there are seasons. Each season is based on each book. This should be really good. I'm actually pretty impressed with the folklore that's in it. So, but yeah, um, for a YA, this 
this is a very dark premise, but I'm excited to listen to it anyway. Yeah. 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 Tell us what you think. I will. So that's what I am currently reading. Sydney, what are you picking up or in the middle of? So I am just picking up a book that looks to be an epic trilogy. It definitely has the girth for it. <laughs> so they're, they're big books then. They, I, I like big books. I cannot lie. <laughs> So this book is called The Shadow of What Was Lost. It's by James Eilington. A young man with forbidden magic finds himself drawn into an ancient war against a dangerous enemy in book one of the Lycanius trilogy, the series that fans are heralding as the next wheel of time. As destiny calls, a journey begins. It has been 20 years since the godlike augurs were overthrown and killed. Now those who once served them, the gifted, are spared only because they have accepted the rebellion's four tenets, vastly limiting their powers. As a gifted, Davian suffers the consequences of a war loss before he was ever born. He and others like him are despised. But when Davian discovers he wields the forbidden power of the augurs, he and his friends Wurr and Asha set into motion a chain of events that will change everything. To the west, a young man whose fate is intertwined with Davian's wakes up in the forest, covered in blood and with no memory of who he is. And in the far north, an ancient enemy long thought to be defeated begins to stir. All right. That sounds epic for sure. And saying it could be the next wheel of time is is, lofty. That is a lofty goal. I don't, I don't know that I would claim that all three books are out. They are, the whole trilogy is accept, is accessible. So I'm going to start it. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Annie, what Please about you? Please let us know. I am picking up with the fire on high again by Elizabeth Acevedo. I read this one back in 2020 or 2021. I don't know. I think it was 2020. It's a YA. Kind of blur. Yeah, yeah. It kind of, I really liked it. But it was at a time I was either, I think I had a newborn. And so I was reading a lot in the middle of the night. And so this one's not... a really quick read. Okay. So I enjoyed it, but it went by really fast. So I can't really remember when I read it. Uh, I'm rereading it for my book club. They keep picking books that I've already read, which again, it's a challenge that they've taken on that they keep failing at. <laughs> <laughs> and they've told me someday we'll pick a book that you haven't read. And I said, good, good luck. luck to you. So it's novel in verse meaning it is a novel told in poetry. And it's about a girl who is in high school. And the reason I like it so much is because she is going through a culinary program and I went through a culinary program. And so you still make the best cupcakes I've ever had in my life. Thank you. Come to Texas. Someday I'll get to try your cupcakes. Someday. So it's very relatable to me and it's very realistic. Very, very. Having come off of cozy mysteries that aren't always realistic, like the timeline is always (laughs) a little bit off and- Lofty mm-hmm. goals. It's nice to read yeah. something where, yeah, that's 100% possible. Mm-hmm. That's not that big of a reach. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I like it. I'm looking forward. It's on audio. It's like seven hours. So I'm almost okay. done. Yeah, okay. So yeah. That's a shorter. Yeah. Shorter it's one. really short. Cool. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this chapter of the book stack. As we sign off, we'd like to leave you with some food for thought, and we'll see you next time when we discuss books we feel have become overhyped from our stacks. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter at Bookstack Trio and follow us at Bookstack Trio on Instagram and Facebook to see a full listing of the books mentioned in our stack. If you read a book from the stack, let us know what you thought on social media. You can also find us on our website at bookstacktrio.com. Before, I never knew how far I would go. Now I believe I have the answer. I will go as far as there is to go. I will go way too far. Holly Black, The Cruel Prince.